this chapter then, it's, uh, it's set at the end of Israel's 40 years wandering around in the desert. And uh, they're just about to enter the promised land. You probably know that Joshua uh, leads Israel into the promised land and conquers Canaan. But here in Joshua 1, we're right at the start of that. We're right at the start of Joshua's ministry. And uh, what we're going to do is I want to draw out some principles from this chapter of what to do when we know what God wants us to do, but we just lack confidence. When, when we want to be used by God, but we just don't feel up to it. So I want to draw out four principles for us. The first principle is this. We need to believe that God can use us. Now Joshua, he must have been tempted to doubt this truth because uh, again and again in this chapter, God feels it necessary to remind him, be strong and courageous. Did you notice that as we read through it, that that's repeated four times in this chapter? Be strong and courageous. You get the sense that, that God needs to remind him of this, that Joshua needed to be encouraged. He needs God to remind him, be strong. Don't be discouraged. Don't be disheartened. Don't be scared. Because on the face of it, Joshua... Uh, Joshua had every reason to lack confidence. Why might he have lacked confidence? Well, two reasons. Firstly, he succeeded Moses. And that's enough. How would you, how would you like to be uh, the follow-up to Moses? Here's a guy who, you know, he, he brought the Israelites out of Egypt. He brought the, the plagues on Egypt. He crossed the Red Sea with the Israelites. He did miracles in the desert. He, he brought the tablets of the Ten Commandments down from the mountain. He spoke to God face to face. That's a hard act to follow, isn't it? In fact, uh, the very last verse of Deuteronomy. So this is, the, this is the last verse before the book of Joshua. We read this. For no one has ever shown the mighty power or performed the awesome deeds that Moses did in the sight of all Israel. You can imagine Joshua reading that and thinking, oh great, now, now I've got to take over. So he might have lacked a little bit of confidence. Secondly, the other reason for the, that, uh, that he might have lacked confidence is the task that God had set him. God says, I want you to take these hundreds of thousands of Israelites and cross over this flooded river where there's no bridges, no boats, and take possession of the promised land, which, by the way, uh, is occupied by seven enemy nations. All of them are more powerful, stronger than you are. And I want you to, to conquer them with this ragtag bunch of ex-bricklayers who've been wandering around in the, the desert for 40 years because they were scared. So it's not the kind of assignment you want first day on the job. And so God just he repeatedly encourages Joshua, don't be terrified, don't be discouraged, be strong. Be courageous. You can do this. I can use you. So Joshua needed to believe this. And he would have just run a mile, wouldn't he? And we've seen in the past few weeks that God wants to use you. God can use you. He designed you for that purpose. He has got, uh, he's got a purpose for your life. He wants you to make a difference with what he's given you. But we need to believe it if we're ever going to let God use us. You see, like Joshua, it's very easy for us to lack confidence. We can often doubt that God can really use us. 
And there's two things that uh, two things that cause those doubts. Firstly, comparing ourselves with others. We've talked about that a few times in this series. Uh, we think, well, if only I was more like him. If only I was more like her. If only I had her talent. If only I had his intelligence. Then God could use me. Compare ourselves to others, and we doubt that God can use us. Comparing yourself with others will always cause doubt, so don't do it. Just don't do it. God made you to be you. If he wanted you to be someone else, he would have made you someone else. God made you unique because he's got a unique contribution for you to make that no one else can make. So it's stupid to compare yourself with others because you're unique, you're incomparable. If you compare yourself with others, you'll always... Uh, find someone that you think is doing a better job and you'll be discouraged. Or you'll always find someone who you think is doing a worse job and you'll get proud. second reason we doubt that God can use us is because of our past failures. We think, yeah, I, I know God uses people, but, but not me. Not with my history. So maybe there are particular, particular sins in your past that, that hold you back from serving God in ministry or from, from sharing the gospel with people around you. We think, how can God use me when I've messed up so much? Or, or if people knew my background, they, they'd laugh at me being involved in ministry. Or how, can I, how can I share my faith with that person when they know my past so well? When they know what I was like? things in my past, God could never use me. I must get away from that kind of thinking. Have you ever read the Bible? Have you ever seen the kinds of people that God uses? Moses uh, was a murderer. David was a murderer and an adulterer. Jacob was a, a liar, a cheat. Abraham gave his wife away twice. Paul was basically a religious terrorist. But God used all these people uses people with checkered pasts and, and the Bible says all of us have sinned you, me, everyone but God uses ordinary people people who've messed up if God only used perfect people then there's get nothing done in this world see it doesn't matter where you've been what matters is where your feet are pointing right now the second principle we learn from from Joshua 1 is that we need to rely on God's strength and his presence. See, in, order, in this chapter, in order to prepare Joshua, in order to, to give him confidence that God could use him, God reminds him of his promises. The same God of Moses is the God of, of Joshua. He's the God who makes promises and keeps them. He's, and if, if, if Joshua's going to be strong, if he's going to be courageous, then he needs to remember, he needs to be reminded and he needs to, be, to believe the promises that God's made. And likewise, if we're going to do what God's called us to do, we need to believe his promises. And there are three promises God gives in this passage. Firstly, there's the promise of his abiding presence. Look at verse 5. As it was with Moses, so it will be with you. I will never leave you, nor forsake you. Verse 9. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. 
for the Lord God he will be with you wherever you go so as, as Joshua prepares this great task what an encouragement that, that everywhere he goes every step he takes God is going to be right there with him God will never leave him never forsake him so maybe Joshua might have been thinking I wish Moses was here it would be great to have Moses around in this situation God says it doesn't matter Moses is gone but I am still here I am still with you and that's what's important and we've got the same promise Jesus says in the great commission at the end of Matthew's gospel I, I will be with you always even to the end of the age secondly God promises Joshua strength and support verse 5 no one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life God assures Joshua of his power because of that I know you haven't got a proper army I know this land is filled with enemies that are stronger than you more powerful than you uh, better trained than you but whatever I ask you to do I'll give you the power to do it and no one will be able to stand against you I will give you strength and again we've got the same promise Jesus promises the whole promises us the Holy Spirit to empower us to give us the strength we need to do the jobs that he's given us the Spirit empowers us for ministry and mission 2 Peter 1 says his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness so God doesn't just give us a job to do and not equip us for the job but he gives us the strength he gives us everything we need to fulfil the purposes he has for us and thirdly God promises Joshua success look at verse 3 I will give you every place where you set your foot your territory will extend from the great river the Euphrates all the Hittite country to the great sea of the west and verse 8 you will be prosperous and successful so if Joshua gives himself completely to being used by God God promises that he'll succeed and again we've got a promise of success that doesn't mean that we will uh, succeed in the way the world thinks of of success it doesn't mean material prosperity it doesn't mean we'll get promoted and we'll have career success but when you give yourself wholly to being used by God he will use you he will achieve his purposes for you and for your life Jesus promises in uh, John 15 that if we remain in him we will be fruitful we'll be successful that's his purpose for us he says I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit fruit that will last God wants to use you to make a contribution that will last for all eternity and if we're willing to give ourselves for that purpose we'll succeed we will bear fruit So God promises Joshua his presence, his strength and success. And on the basis of these promises, Joshua is to be strong and courageous. Joshua needed to be reminded of those promises. If he thought that it was all down to him, if it was down to his strength, then of course he would have lacked confidence. Of course he would have been scared to cross the Jordan. He needed to be reminded that God's of uh, God's presence and God's strength so that 
He didn't rely on himself, but relied on God. And we also need to be reminded of those promises so that we, uh, otherwise we'll lack confidence. If we're just going to rely on our own strength, on our own abilities, or on our own wisdom, then we're bound to lack confidence. We need to rely on God. In fact, God has deliberately set it up that way so that he gets the glory. You know, if we, if we achieve things in our own strength, by our own abilities, then we get the credit. We get the glory, not God. But God loves to use weak people. Hudson Taylor said that all God's giants were weak people. Because God loves to use weak people because then it's obvious that it's him at work. So perhaps you feel daunted by the idea of God using you. Perhaps you, uh, you feel weak or inadequate for the job. Well that's great. Because that's exactly where we need to be. So we don't rely on ourselves but we rely on God. And we allow him and his power to work through us. Paul writes in uh, 2 Corinthians 12 that is why for Christ's sake I delight in weaknesses in insults in hardships in persecutions in difficulties for when I am weak then I am strong God delights in working through our weaknesses because because that makes it clear to us and to everyone else that it's him at work that it's God's power achieving things not our own so uh, believe that God can use you rely on God's presence and his strength and thirdly be devoted to God's word look what God uh, says to Joshua in verse 8 do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it so if we're going to be used by God we need to get the word of God into our mouths, into our minds and into our lives we need to get it into our mouths do not let this book of the Lord depart from your mouth so we need to, we need to be speaking it, we need to teach it we need to be passing it on to people in Joshua chapter 8 we see that's exactly what Joshua did in 8.34 we read afterwards Joshua read all the words of the law the blessings and the curses just as it is written in the book of the law there was not a word of all that Moses had commanded that Joshua did not read to the whole assembly of Israel including the women and children and the aliens who lived among them you thought Peter Coleman's sermons were long imagine that one Joshua, Joshua spoke the word of God he passed it on he taught it but we're also to get it into our minds. God says meditate on it day and night. Notice he doesn't just say read it, he says meditate on it. And maybe you think, well that, that sounds like hard work. Meditating sounds like a lot of effort. But it's not, it's dead easy. I tell you, if, uh, if you know how to worry, then you know how to meditate. Yeah, how many people know how to worry? Yeah, then you already know how to meditate. When you worry, what you do, you, you take a negative thought and you just keep thinking about it over and over and over again. Every time it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Wait, when you meditate, you take a, a Bible truth or a Bible verse and you think about it again and again and again and it, each time it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. 
And that's what we need to do. We need to uh, chew on the Word of God, meditate on the Word of God the same way we do with negative things. You know what it's like? Maybe even after this service, you'll be talking to someone and uh, someone will say something that maybe might be ever so slightly critical or seems to be getting at something and you, you go home later and you think, what did she mean? Why did she say that? What was she suggesting? Was she trying to say such and such? Am I really like that? And then maybe after five minutes, no, probably nothing. And five minutes later, you're like, no, definitely she was, she was suggesting something. And you can't get it out of your mind. Imagine if you did that with, with God's words. Did God really say that? What is he suggesting? What does he really mean? What's he trying to say about me? How should I respond to that? That's what we need to do. We need to meditate on God's words. Thirdly, we need to get it into our life. Studying the words not enough. We need to live it out. We need to do what it says. James says, don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. So we need to be obedient. The Word of God needs to make an impact on the way that we live. So if any of us want to be used by God, we want to fulfill His purposes for our lives, we must be people of the Word. Deuteronomy 17 uh, tells us that, that every king of Israel had, to, had the same instruction. They, had to, they even had to write out their own copy of the Bible and read it every day and never depart from it. In 1 Kings 2, David gives the same charge to Solomon, his successor, to be devoted to the Word. And if we, we look at the great Christians in history, those that have been used most powerfully by God have been people devoted to God's Word. And the fourth key uh, to gaining confidence to do what God wants you to do is to step out in faith. comes a point in time where you have to just make that critical decision to, to go for it. And that's the situation that we see Joshua was in. He knew what God wanted him to do, to cross the Jordan, take the land. He had God's promises, but he, he, he needed to take a, a step of faith. He needed to step out. He needed to take the plunge, literally. The Jordan River, it was in floods. There weren't any bridges. There weren't any uh, other ways to get across. It was impassable. The thing that God was asking Joshua to do was, was physically impossible. And yet God says, I want you to get going. I want you to cross the Jordan. It was going to be like the Red Sea, uh, where, where God parted the waters and the Israelites crossed on dry land. But here there's a difference. Uh, with the Red Sea, God parted the waters and then the Israelites went across. But here, they've got to start first. They've got to step out first and start crossing. So can you imagine what that must have been like? The spiritual leaders of Israel went first. They sort of step out uh, up to their ankles. Nothing happens. We read in chapter 3 that uh, when they stepped in, the Lord stopped the water flowing but he did it upstream he did it 17 miles upstream so 17 miles of water had to go past first so when he just like stepped in they didn't see anything happen so they keep going and the water's getting higher and higher and higher and maybe anyone watching would just thought what are they doing just walking out into the river 
but God's timing is perfect and the waters recede and they cross the Jordan on dry land and capture the promised land and the point is this the first step is always the hardest the first step is always the hardest imagine how hard it was for those Israelites to, to make that initial step out into the Jordan before God had stopped the waters so maybe some of you have got those steps to make uh, today maybe as we've gone through this series you feel God calling you to make the first steps in some area now maybe you feel uh, the challenge to take up the first, first take the first step in getting involved in ministry in some area of making that costly step of giving yourself away for the sake of others or maybe God's challenging you to take the first step in sharing the good news with, with someone around you at work or in your family or maybe you need to take the first step in, in some other way to use what God's given you maybe there are changes that you need to make in order to fulfil what God's given you to do and that first step will be by far the hardest but if you make it, the next ones will be easier. As we said this a few weeks ago, you can't please God by playing it safe. You can't please God by playing it safe. The Christian life will always involve risk because God wants us to, to trust him. God wants us to live by faith. So it's going to be costly. It's going to be risky. And the first step will always be the hardest. But if you make it, the subsequent ones will be easier. Once the Israelites had stepped out into the Jordan and they took that step of faith and they saw God work, the next steps were easier. Ecclesiastes 11.4 is a verse that helps me get stuff done on my allotment. It says, Whoever watches the wind will not plant. Whoever looks at the clouds will not reap. So that's, that's the truth about life saying if we wait for the perfect conditions we'll never get anything done maybe some of you are just waiting for the perfect conditions before stepping out maybe some of you need to just stop putting things off and make a step of faith maybe some of you need to stop praying about something and just do it maybe some of you need to stop waiting for your circumstances to change just go for it there's never a better time to start doing what God made you to do than now so if we want to fulfil the purpose that God has for us if we want to uh, be used by God then we need to believe that God can use us we need to rely on God's strength and on his presence we need to be devoted to his word and we need to step out you were made for ministry. You have a mission on earth. You're here to make a difference. It's time to, to get off the bench and get in the game. And live the life that God designed you for. Let's pray that he'll help us do that.